Welcome. You're listening to the Malcontent News Russia-Ukraine War Podcast, the show that cuts through the fog of war and updates you about the ongoing conflict in Ukraine. With your host, Linnea Hubbard. Don't forget to like, comment and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and Google Podcasts. I'm Linnea Hubbard and today is Monday, March 20th, 2023. It's been 3,309 days since Russia occupied Crimea on February 27, 2014, and 390 days since the large-scale invasion of Ukraine began. Today's podcast looks at what happened yesterday in the Russia-Ukraine war. The Malcontent News Russia-Ukraine War Report is compiled by our team from around the world. Today's report includes information from direct contacts in Ukraine and their proxies, Russian Ministry of Defense reports, the General Staff of the Armed Forces of Ukraine reports, Operational Commands North, South, and East of Ukraine, Open Source Intelligence, our in-house team of analysts and geolocation experts, and pro-Ukrainian and pro-Russian mill bloggers and social media accounts with a track record of trying to be accurate. We have one mission, to report the truth, because the truth matters. Some quick housekeeping. We will be focusing on regional updates for the next 14 to 21 days as we prepare improvements for our subscribers and prepare to launch our second podcast, Gen All, which is not specific to the Russia-Ukraine war. Speaking of war, though, let's go ahead and get started with our assessment of the current status of the war. First, we maintain that Russia's large-scale winter offensive has culminated with the Institute for the Study of War, or ISW, reaching the same conclusion yesterday. Second, our assessment that Russia has committed almost all available ground forces to Ukraine and was experiencing unsustainable personnel and equipment losses was accurate, with Russian combat potential fading across the entire theater of war, reinforcing our point of view that the Russian Federation armed forces are combat ineffective. Third, We assess that the Ukrainian defense of Bakhmut remains in a critical state and is fluid, but defensive lines have been stabilized. Fourth, we assess there is an elevated risk of cruise missile attacks against Ukrainian civilians and civilian infrastructure over the next 48 hours. Fifth, we maintain that Russian forces are experiencing a critical shortage of anti-tank guided missiles, or ATGMs, and man-portable anti-tank weapons. Sixth, we maintain that Russian forces are experiencing a perceived shortage of non-precision artillery munitions theater-wide. Seventh, we maintain that Russia no longer has the resources to cause catastrophic economic, social, or military disruptions by targeting Ukraine's electrical infrastructure. Eighth, we maintain that Russia can no longer tap its strategic reserve of caliber cruise missiles and can only launch its monthly production of 25 to 30 missiles. Ninth, we maintain that there is a risk of a nuclear accident due to the de-energization of Ukraine's electrical grid as long as the Russian Ministry of Defense, or MOD, continues to target Ukraine's power industry. Tenth, we maintain that short of using chemical, biological, radiological, or nuclear, those are seaburn, weapons, the Russian military will continue doing everything possible to capture Bakhmut, regardless of the cost. Eleventh, 
We maintain that the public infighting between private military company or PMC Wagner Group's leader, Yevgeny Prigozhin, and the Russian MOD has reached a dangerous level that threatens to derail the only successful Russian offensive operation since June 2022 in Bakhmut. Twelfth, we maintain that the Russian MOD is actively working to eliminate the influence of PMC Wagner Group and Yevgeny Prigozhin, both on and off the battlefield. Thirteenth, we maintain the Kremlin is actively attempting to topple the legitimate government of Moldova. And finally, we maintain the Kremlin is also actively interfering with the Georgian government's attempt to join the European Union. One year ago yesterday, on March 19, 2022, we wrote, quote, Using all available information and the combat effectiveness of Russian, Chechen, and Syrian mercenaries theater-wide, it is our assessment that Russia has suffered a crushing military defeat, end quote. Fighting near Cherniv had become positional while shelling of the city continued, Kharkiv was shelled relentlessly, and fighting continued in northern Izum. In Kherson, 150 students from African and Middle Eastern nations trapped by Russian forces appealed for international assistance. Students claimed they tried to evacuate independently, but were fired at by Russian troops. Food and potable water were running out in Mariupol, with people drinking from puddles and eating pets to survive. Intense fighting continued, and Russian forces used TOS-1 thermobaric weapons on civilians. The Mariupol City Council reported civilians were being forcibly deported to Russia, and filtration camps had opened in Manhush and Melikin. In Luhansk, fighting in Rubizhne, the outskirts of Severodonetsk and Popazna continued. The first colonel of the Black Sea Fleet, Andriy Pali, was killed in action fighting in Mariupol. Russia claimed they fired a Kinzhal hypersonic missile at the Ivano-Frankivsk ammo depot. We noted increasing chatter about Russian war crimes northwest of Kyiv, but could not verify the reports. Let's get to our regional updates and, since it's a Monday, check in with both belligerent objectives, starting with Kharkiv. The Russian objective is to push Ukrainian forces west of the Oskil River and set conditions for a future, larger attack. The Ukrainian objective is to liberate the northeastern corner of the oblast, hold defensive lines in the Kupiansk operational area, and protect civilians and civilian infrastructure. Ukrainian sources reported continued fighting in the area of Fryanikivka, with Russian forces attempting to push south to the bridgehead over the Oskil. Photographs confirmed that a Russian helicopter was shot down near Tokarivka in early February and identified the aircraft as an Mi-35, the export version of the venerable Mi-24 hind gunship. As with most of the photos and videos we reference here on the podcast, we do link to them in our full situation report on Patreon. Moving on to the Donbass region in Luhansk. The Russian objective is to integrate the oblast into the Russian Federation, recapture lost territory, and control insurgency. The Ukrainian objective is to break Russian defensive lines, advance on Svatova, Kremina, and Lusychansk, and support insurgents. In the Svatova operational area, the General Staff of the Armed Forces of Ukraine, or GSAFU, 
reported that Russian troops attacked Novoselivsky without success. In the Kremina operational area, the number of Russian attacks is declining, with the front becoming frozen. Positional battles continue from Ploshanka to Zhitlivka with no change in the situation. Fighting in the forested areas west, southwest, and south of Kremina continued, with Russian forces launching attacks from Dubrova. Luhansk Oblast officials reported an Iranian-sourced Shahed-136 kamikaze drone was shot down. In northeast Donetsk, the Russian objective is to capture the entire region and integrate the oblast into the Russian Federation. The Ukrainian objective is to defend Siversk and Bakhmut, push into the Luhansk oblast, and minimize civilian casualties. In the Siversk operational area, Russian forces continued to attack Verkhnokamyanskia and Spirne with no success. In the Bakhmut operational area, Ukrainian forces successfully pushed Russian forces away from Ivanivske and made further small gains in the northern part of the city. Russian forces made marginal gains in the direction of Hryurivka. The spokesperson for Operational Command East, or OCE, Colonel Serhi Cherevati, said that PMC Wagner, supported by Russian and Chechen forces, quote, are tactically unable to complete the operation to capture the Ukrainian district center of Bakhmut. Yes, there are very active battles there, and they are still carrying out several dozen attacks by inertia, but they are suffering heavy losses, end quote. Cherevati reported that Russian forces executed 197 fire missions on the Bakhmut front and launched 35 attacks. That would be half of all ground attacks made by Russian troops yesterday, across the entirety of Ukraine. Some assessment? We aren't prepared to declare the Bakhmut offensive that started on December 27, 2022, as culminated, but with Ukrainian forces making marginal gains and continuing to maintain the T-504 and T-506 highway ground lines of communication, called G-locks, those are supply lines, and warmer weather ahead, time is no longer on the side of Russian forces. Russian complaints about ammunition shortages and a critical shortage of ATGM and man-portable anti-tank weapons are increasing theater-wide, with PMC Wagner's Grey Zone Telegram channel writing, quote, Many times I read and heard that why is it all about Wagner? That there are no shells, problems with awarding medals to really deserving fighters, because such problems are throughout the army. There are no shells for almost everyone. Also, those who f- up or failed in command often get awards, and worthy fighters and commanders are often forgotten behind all the submissions. End quote. When asked about the prospects for the rest of 2023, PMC Wagner leader Yevgeny Prigozhin said, quote, The perspectives at the moment are foggy, end quote, and that it was critical to, quote, concentrate on one thing, winning, which means holding the front line, end quote. For the first time since the conflict between the Kremlin and PMC Wagner started, Prigozhin expressed that infighting is directly impacting offensive operations, saying, quote, As long as intrigue, conflict, and sticks in the wheels carry on, they obstruct fighting. End quote. He further expressed, for the first time, concern of a looming Ukrainian counteroffensive somewhere, and predicted that Russian forces had up to two weeks left to prepare. 
fighting for control of Orikhovo Vasilivka, continued. Due to no supporting information for earlier claims that PMC Wagner had occupied the eastern part of the village, we moved the line of conflict. PMC Wagner reportedly made marginal gains toward Hryurivka, and we moved the line of conflict west and south based on the information. Wagner mercenaries continued attempts to advance on Bohdanivka without success, and a drone-directed artillery strike eliminated a PMC Wagner squad. PMC Wagner forces were pushed back from Khomova, resulting in a small map update. Within Bakhmut, fighting continued around the Azom metal processing plant, and based on geolocated videos, we moved the line of conflict to the north by one block. Fighting continued in the southeast near the Donba Reservoir and just south of Korsunskoho Street, with Russian forces supported by PMC Wagner unable to advance. They did push to the west toward the previous location of the MiG-17 statue, and we made a small map change based on geolocated information. Pro-Russian sources reported that Ukrainian forces had re-established the use of the T-504 highway G-lock in Tabakhmut. Fighting was reported near Ivanivske, with Ukrainian forces completing a small and successful counteroffensive over the last 48 hours. The mayor of Chasivyar, Serhi Chaus, reported that all children had been evacuated from the town, citing the work of the Donetsk Oblast Military Administration, local police, and the NGO White Angels for completing the evacuations. In southwest Donetsk, the Russian objective is to capture the entire region, integrate the oblast into the Russian Federation, and bring the insurrection across southwestern Donetsk under control. The Ukrainian objective is to lock Russian military assets in place, defend the existing line of conflict while finding and exploiting weaknesses, destroy troop concentrations and command and control sites, interdict supplies, and disrupt logistics. In the Avdiivka operational area, there continues to be significant fog of war on the status of Krasnohorivka, with claims ranging from Ukrainian troops being shelled to an attempted Russian advance past Stepova in the direction of Berdichi. Russian mercenary mill blogger Rybar claimed the settlement was captured. Russian and Ukrainian sources reported that fighting for control of Kamyanka continued and that Russian attacks were unsuccessful. Russian forces, supported by Mobik's transfer to the 1st Army Corps, formerly of the DNR, continued their attempts to advance on Avdiivka from Opitne and continued to be unsuccessful. Russian mercenary mill blogger Worganzo reported Ukrainian forces launched a counterattack. Reinforcing an earlier Rybar report that Ukrainian forces had retaken the highlands just north of Vodyana, the GSAFU reported that a Russian attack was repulsed. Fighting for control of Pervomaiske and attempts to advance in the direction of Sieverne continued, also without success. Russian forces continued attempts to advance on the Ukrainian firebase at Nevelske. And I'm sure you can guess how that went. In the Marinka operational area, fighting continued in the center of the ruins of Marinka, with no change in the situation. Worganzo claimed that fighting continued near Buchledar, and that marginal gains were made. But there was no supporting evidence to back up the claim. Picks or it didn't happen. In Mariupol, Russian President Vladimir Putin made a late-night unannounced visit 
that miraculously had residents waiting to greet him despite a curfew, and Russian state media conveniently in the immediate area. What luck. It's pretty incredible how that all just happened. A woman who gave an emotional thank you to Putin for liberating the city and making it better was identified as Russian collaborator Irina Volosetova. Three more people in the video were identified as actors that have appeared in other videos with Putin, and four more were Russian partisans. In an interview after Putin's visit, Volosatova expressed unhappiness with the reception Putin received from Mariupol residents. She also said she was worried about her safety and was looking for police protection from the Donetsk People's Republic administration. In a video since removed from Russian state media, during Putin's so-called visit with so-called locals, who happened to be out well past curfew, a woman can be heard shouting in the distance, quote, It's not true, it's just for show, end quote. After removing the video, a new one was uploaded about five minutes later, with the yell removed. Quick sidebar, Russia does understand that the internet is forever, right? Like we're all... We're all clear on that? DNR officials announced a new border crossing, exciting, would open at Ulyanovsko-Shramko to help relieve delays and lines up to 20 kilometers long to cross into Russia. The old-school pre-2014 Russia, obviously. Not this patched-together Frankenstein Russia nonsense. Moving on to Zaporizhia. The Russian objective is to prevent a Ukrainian offensive into Zaporizhia, integrate captured territory into the Russian Federation, and capture the remainder of the oblast. The Ukrainian objective is to liberate Russian-occupied areas, prevent further Russian advances, exploit weaknesses on the line of conflict, and protect civilians. Ukrainian forces launched another reconnaissance-in-force attack in the direction of Robotine, which was unsuccessful. Quick sidebar here. We have a theory on why these attacks are happening, but we will not share them at this time due to OPSEC. That's operational security. Kamyanska was attacked by grad rockets fired by multiple launch rocket systems, or MLRS, that slammed into an apartment building, killing three civilians. There was no update on the status of the Zaporizhia nuclear power plant. In occupied Berdyansk, the home of Russian collaborator Serhiy Kherenko exploded, but his status is unknown. In the Black Sea, Crimea, Mykolaiv, and Odessa region, Natalia Khumenyuk, Director of Communications for Operational Command South, or OCS, reported nine vessels of the Black Sea fleet were on patrol, including two frigates capable of launching up to 16 caliber cruise missiles. She added that the search for debris from the American MQ-9 Reaper drone that crashed after a Russian Su-27 collided with it had ended temporarily due to unfavorable sea conditions. The line to use the Kerch Strait Ferry grew to 80 trucks due to high winds delaying sailings. The Center for the National Resistance claimed that Russian occupiers raided the main blood bank in Sevastopol for treating Russian soldiers at a military hospital sending the regional blood supply into crisis. In western and central Ukraine, the Russian objective is to launch terror attacks on civilians in an attempt to maximize casualties by deprivation of heat, water, and medical services, and to break morale. 
The Ukrainian objective is to deter attacks and protect civilian lives. Russian and Ukrainian forces traded artillery across the Dnipro River. Russian forces completed 86 fire missions on Free Ukraine using 385 artillery rounds, rockets, mortars, and indirect tank fire, striking the city of Kherson three times and wounding six. Residential areas in Kherson were targeted, along with Biloserka, Antonivka, and the Vereslav Rayon. Occupied Kachovka and Nova Kachovka were shelled, with large fires erupting in both towns on the east bank of the Dnipro. On the Russian front in the Tula region of Russia, there was a mystery in the village of Petrovskoy after a drone without identification markings crashed in an open field. There were no reports of the drone being armed. The village is 460 kilometers north of Kharkiv and 200 kilometers from central Moscow. In St. Petersburg, a man was arrested for holding up a picture of the Soviet-era cartoon character Leopold the Cat, a staple of Russian TV and cinema in the 70s and 80s. The picture had Leopold's catchphrase, quote, Guys, let's all get along, end quote. The man was arrested for violating Russia's so-called don't-say-war laws and is accused of, quote, extremism. A quick note. Brezhnev-era cartoon cats from the Soviet Union, loosely based on Tom and Jerry, are apparently quite extreme. According to the Wikipedia entry for the show, Leopold is, quote, good-natured and prudent. Oh no, the horrors. Won't anyone think of the children? Let's talk about developments theater-wide and outside Ukraine. On March 18th, an accident killed four Ukrainian soldiers at the 169th Desna Training Center in the Chernihiv Oblast. An investigation has been opened into the incident. According to the Ministry of Defense of Poland, the number of MiG-29s that will be provided to Ukraine has increased from 16 to 20. This is in addition to the 13 fighter planes committed by Slovakia. The tranche of aid is almost enough to create one air wing. In geopolitical news, the Kremlin signaled it was open to peace negotiations, but only on their terms. President Putin, speaking ahead of the visit of Chinese President Xi Jinping, said, quote, Russia is open to a political and diplomatic settlement of the Ukrainian crisis. However, peace talks were halted back in April 2022, and we were not the ones to do it. The future of the peace process depends solely on a commitment to a serious conversation which takes into account the current geopolitical reality. End quote. Okay, assessment here. Peace negotiations were broken off after Ukrainian negotiator Roman Abramovich was poisoned on March 28, 2022, and the horrors of Bucha and Irpin were revealed to the world on April 1st. Also, when Moscow says, quote, the current geopolitical reality, end quote, they mean any negotiations start from a place where Crimea, Luhansk, Donetsk, Zaporizhia, and Kherson belong to Russia. Putin continued, quote, Unfortunately, any ultimatums aimed at Russia only show how those who make ultimatums are detached from reality and are uninterested in finding a solution to the current situation. End quote. Sidebar, 
You can catch Putin's stand-up comedy routine at the Moscow Chuckle Hut on Thursdays at 20-hundred hours. You must sit at least 12 meters from the stage, and appropriately timed laughter is mandatory. Sergei Lavrov will be the opening act. And that's what we know. Join me again tomorrow for more updates. Until then, stay safe, everyone. You've been listening to the Malcontent News Russia-Ukraine War Podcast. To help keep us independent, please consider providing financial support by becoming a patron. Want on-demand news in your hand? Download the Google News app and make Malcontent News one of your favorites to receive breaking news updates. Thank you for listening.